In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. I never knew the old Los Angeles. I only got to know it during the podcast boom. The time when everyone had a podcast. The city was divided into four quadrants. Uh, Nerdist, uh, Maximum Fun, Earwolf, and Independent. You know, the sort of podcast that doesn't make any money <laughs> and, and puts it out entirely themselves. Um, of course, a situation like that does tempt amateurs, but, well, you know, they can't stay the course like a professional. Oh, I was going to tell you about this one podcaster. Oh, what was his name? Uh, Craig Kikowski. Why, he had a podcast with his wife uh, where they talked about movies. Not one minute at a time, but the entire movie. Uh, and here's his story. <laughs> wow, you really did a good job with that voice, number one. And you also, number two, did a great job of plugging our podcast on our podcast. Thank you. Was not asking for notes, but always good. <laughs> always good to get them. Hi, guys. It's Craig's List with Craig and Carla. I'm Craig Kikowski. I'm Carla. And uh, today we're going to talk about the third man or the third man. Uh, this is a 1949 British American co-production directed by Carol Reed. And that was my approximation of the memorable opening, opening. Opening narration, opening narration, uh, done by Carol Reed himself to set the tone of, uh, post-war Vienna. So who was that voice supposed to be? Just a, a faceless narrator? A black marketeer. Uh, a racketeer. Oh, sorry. Uh, I just cracked my ankle. You okay? I'm okay. Okay. A black marketeer. A racketeer. A black racketeer. I don't know if he's black or white, but uh, <laughs> he's a he's a racketeer, a guy that sells things on the uh, the black market. So, so is that called a racketeer, or is that called a black racketeer? No, I'm being serious because you you were the one who said that. <laughs> black marketer. Yeah. Or a racketeer. Oh, it's one or the other. Okay. I th I think it's one or the other. Um. So I, I think it's to set up the uh, the morally ambiguous tone, uh, but <laughs> I was just thinking, oh man, I wonder if we're gonna fight on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What makes you think that? I don't know. Just our exchange right there was a little snippy to little, each other. Little testy. Little testy. Well, don't we fight on them all, Carla? No. Sometimes we agree. Uh, but you, maybe you're already being contentious. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> about it's the possible. third man. Right. Uh, well, this of course is, uh, number 56. You have to start writing it down. <laughs> Every single one you're scrolling through your phone to figure out where the hell we are on your list. You have to start writing it down and prepping that. This is number 57 on Craigslist. So therefore. <laughs> episode 44 and uh i'm excited to talk about it with you today carla yeah i'm ex i'm excited too i'm excited too uh she's so excited that she's going to an old-timey voice yep uh what's going on in your life carla we just got back from portland oregon oh my gosh it was so fun we went to the stumptown improv festival Second. We had a great show this year. I mean, we had a good show. We had a good show last year. We had a great solid, show this year. Solid show last year. It might have been our best Orange Tuxedo show yet. The it one was, we did this year. It was up there. Yeah. It, top top five. Top three, I would say. Top three. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but we love Portland and we love all our friends up there and meeting new friends and uh they run a good festival up there at the Stumptown Improv Fest. It's well curated, a lot of great groups from all over the country and horny audiences that are ready to laugh. Yeah. 
They're really nice up there. But this weekend, I guess we'll plug this now. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing the plugs up top, folks. This weekend, we're going to Detroit to do the Detroit Improv Festival. Also a really fun festival. We, so we are, gosh, we're doing a lot, right? So we have a workshop Saturday morning. Everything's and, on Saturday. And then I'm doing a live improv yak taping at 4 p.m., 4 30 p.m. Guys, if you've not heard Carla's improv-related podcast, Improv Yak, it's time to get on that now where she talks to notable improvisers from all around the country about their particular specialty. Yep. And then we have an Orange Tuxedo show at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then we're doing No Waiting with Mark Warzeka at 10 p.m. Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of things. But there's we have a lot of friends who will be there. Um, so go check out that schedule if you're in Detroit. I know we have some Detroit listeners because they've tweeted at us. Yeah. This is technically in Ferndale, Michigan. But for the first time, I'm going to go into the city of Detroit. Uh, we rented a car this time. This will be, I think, my third year doing this festival. And I've never set foot in the actual city. So Sunday will be our day to explore. Do you think that we are talking about other stuff besides the movie? Because there's not much to say about this movie. I've got a lot to, <laughs> say. I've got a lot to say about this movie. What are you talking about? Kidding. I'm just trying to poke you okay well i uh, consider me poked <laughs> is poking still a thing on facebook by the way i don't know i never did it it's the worst oh <laughs> i felt like Craig, when I, I think it's i don't think it's a thing anymore it's not a thing i don't think so you can't get poked i feel like saying it's the worst was like something you would have said five years ago about <laughs> facebook <laughs> poking's the worst <laughs> is it's the worst played out too it's the worst um <laughs> Well, I think we were never neither neither of us were single at any point that we've been on Facebook. So poking was never a thing for us maybe. But it, is it specifically a flirting thing? I think it is. Oh. I could be wrong, but the only reason I say that is because I've heard women complain about getting poked from the same guy a few times. I have never poked anyone Thank God, on Facebook. Including me. <laughs> <laughs> I've poked you many times. What? <laughs> We're poking right now. But I, <laughs> we are currently poking. <laughs> um, I did get poked a bunch of times and uh, at first I would poke back, uh, like, not even really understanding what it was really? all about. But I guess it never occurred to me that somebody was flirting with me. Uh, so much is explained. <laughs> all those letters from that lady. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. That lady. That's what she called herself. Yeah. Sincerely, that lady. That lady who wrote me all those love letters. Speaking of love, the lady in this movie is bonkers in love. <laughs> <laughs> What, do you want to get into it? Do you want to talk about the third man? I think we should at some point. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's talk about bonkers in love then. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, you brought it up. Oh, no. Uh, I've never seen the third man before. This is my first experience with it. Okay. It is a film noir. That's correct. And Orson Welles appears finally about two-thirds of the way into the movie he appears yeah that's about right <laughs> and it's in black and white okay and it takes place in vienna mm-hmm. and we don't know that orson welles is a bad man until halfway through it right we <laughs> okay. don't know that he's the villain it's okay. kind of revealed okay okay your turn <laughs> wow that's it's a very perfunctory take on the third man carla I feel like you were distracted for a lot of this movie. I don't think you gave it your full attention. Well, I have some life stuff going on, and so I was on the computer. Do you want to talk about your life stuff? Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were uh, you were sending emails, reading emails. But I was still watching it. Like I could tell you the plot of the movie. Tell me the plot of the movie. This guy who's a writer goes to Vienna. Okay. He has an old friend named Harry or maybe Larry. <laughs> <laughs> who, it's either Harry Lime or Larry Heim. Yeah, who he's looking for. Um, and there's been like, they think that Harry's been killed. And so he wants to find out how he was killed, basically. And so as he starts to like investigate this, all of these other things come up, including this dame, a dame who's been in, having a, a relationship with Harry, who's, she's like an illegal immigrant in Vienna and she has a fake passport. Okay. 
And uh, as they're investigating it, we meet all of these like cops, basically, um, who are looking into this scandal with penicillin. <laughs> What's the scandal with penicillin? He... What ends up happening is that we find out that Harry is alive. He faked his own death, right? Oh, yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that's correct. And um, he had been taking penicillin and diluting it and selling it off as though it was... Full strength penicillin. Full strength penicillin. So all these people died, including a bunch of children. Yeah. And so this is a crime. And so the cops are now looking for Harry. And the woman... Didn't realize that he was a bad guy, but she, he helped her out a lot. So she really loves him. And so she doesn't want him to be caught. And then the main guy, the writer, ends up uh, setting up Harry with the police. And then there's this amazing chase, which is really the best part of the movie. Okay. Where they're in the sewers chasing after Harry. And then at the end, his friend kills the, the main guy, the writer, kills Harry, even though he said this whole time he's not a murderer, he's never killed anyone before. Like, it's a big thing for his character to have to do this. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of the turning point for his character. And then at the end, they bury Harry or Larry. And um, the woman's... For the second the, time. Yeah, the woman's still pissed at the guy, even though the guy's in love with her. The end. All right. So, please apologize. Uh, I would like to... I'm holding out my ear. Um, I have an ear horn in my ear, so you can say it nice and loud. Okay, you don't... Put that ear horn away. <laughs> please There's apologize no- for saying that I was not paying attention to, uh, to uh, the cinema. Okay, yeah. I think you're missing some of the subtlety and nuances of the movie, but you... Well, you didn't ask for me to write a report. I was just, like, <laughs> telling you the basic plot points. You got the basic plot points. I apologize. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, what did you know about this movie going in? Just that Orson Welles was in it. So I was baffled that it was taking so long <laughs> for him to come on screen. Yeah, I think there's several quotes uh, to that effect of you constantly thinking that other people were Orson Welles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it famously uh, Orson Welles make a, makes a very late appearance in this movie. Uh, despite being the biggest name in it. So, you know, it, the British version is about an hour 45 and Harry Lyme makes his appearance at about an hour five. Uh, so, you know, there is a lot of setup, uh, to create the, uh, the anticipation of, of Harry Lyme. Uh, the whole first hour is talking about him in the abstract and that he's dead and Holly Martin's played by Joseph Cotton. It's considered, uh, is, constantly uh pushing the issue of like talking to people he shouldn't be talking to mm-hmm. and uh just kind of poking around where he shouldn't poke around because he's he's like writing a book right he's there because harry promised him a job he shows up in vienna to meet harry goes to his apartment and then the porter uh who barely speaks english tells him that there was a car accident and harry is dead right okay. so then he goes to harry's funeral so uh, but he's a renowned writer, right? Because he's like at this conference thing where they're asking him questions about his books. books uh. n- no, he is not a renowned writer. I think that's the joke of it that he writes. Oh. He writes schlocky uh, westerns. Okay, but he's like a known writer, even if he's not really respected or revered. I think the joke of it is this: that he says that he's a writer, the major. Uh, of the British army that he's talking to has no idea, has never heard of him, has no idea who he is. And then like the Cockney, uh, private who works for the majors, like, Oh, you holding Morton's the writer. I know you, <laughs> you know, uh, so the, the idea is that he writes like low class books for low class people. Okay. That's fine. People. But he's a writer. Like I didn't make that up. No, you did okay. not make that up. All right. Uh, and then in order to stay at the nice hotel, Whoop, whoop, the zoom is falling. It's falling. It's, it just moved. You might want to fix it. Click back to, back to the stuff. <laughs> In order to stay at the nice hotel, uh, he convinces this, uh, group to let him give a speech when they have no idea who he is and he has no, like, literary merit or anything. Oh, so I see. He kind of okay. he takes advantage of the situation to get a free hotel room. What's the actor's name? While he's there, Joseph Cotton. 
What's the character's name? Holly Martins. Didn't know it at all the whole time. <laughs> Didn't know it at all. They say it a lot in the movie. Didn't pay attention, I guess. There's a whole also sounds like a female name, so maybe I was thinking they were talking about the lady. Written by Carol, or the uh, director is Carol Reed. The main character is Holly Martins. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie is written by the uh, the famed British novelist Graham Greene. Yes. Uh, as well. So it's, it's a real collaborative effort of a uh, lot of different folks. Uh, and it was a co-production between Alexander Korda, who is a famous British producer, and David O. Selznick, the independent American mm-hmm. producer. So Selznick delivered the American movie stars, which were Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles. And then the the main lady is played by Alita Valley, who was an Italian actress who was a contract player for Selznick. Cool. Uh, as and well. so what else has was Joseph Cotton in? Well, Citizen Kane and Magnificent Ambersons, the uh, the first two Orson Welles movies. Oh, didn't recognize him. I've seen Citizen Kane at least twice. He plays. Uh, I have a feeling I'll be seeing it a third time. Yeah, you. <laughs> I believe you will. I believe you will, my lady. Uh, so, you never call me that again, <laughs> uh, my lady caller. <laughs> uh, yeah, he plays uh, Kane's best friend in it. So they're the two co-leads in that. So it's kind of like a nice wink to Citizen Kane mm-hmm. uh, that Wells and Cotton are friends again. And then he also is the lead in uh, Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt, which was Hitchcock's personal favorite movie that he made where he plays. Which means a- it's probably terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he plays a serial killer in that. <laughs> Uh, he's got a small part in Wells' Touch of Evil. He did a lot of stuff with, uh, with Orson Wells. Cool. Uh, he's good. He's interesting. He is good. Yeah. And he is kind of the quintessential film noir hero where he's like not as quite as smart as he thinks he is. And he doesn't really understand what he's poking around in and mm-hmm. kind of like gets himself into trouble. Uh, and he actually is like a more charismatic actor than the, the role here. Uh, I think because Holly is kind of like a blank slate. Uh, and you know, he's just kind of, we're kind of experiencing the confusion, uh, through him. So I think I, I will make my pitch for, um, that first hour, uh, because you were a little distracted. Uh, there's a lot going on and the movie is kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Like I will, I will give you that if you're not paying full attention, like the plot is hard to follow and it's hard to understand exactly like who all these people are and, and what's going on. And it's only after like several times of seeing it that, uh, I totally understand right. <laughs> everything about it, which I think is true of a lot of film noirs of the era that it's more about the mood and less about the plot coming together in a coherent way. Yeah. Um, thinking of the big sleep, uh, which is a Humphrey Bogart, uh, movie written by Ray- Raymond Chandler at one point, uh, the, I think it was Howard Hawks directed the movie version. Uh, the producers and director were confused about who killed a character in it. And they phoned Raymond Chandler to ask him and he didn't know who killed somebody mm-hmm. in his own book. Wow. Um, so, but I, I think the third man is kind of like the ultimate mood film noir. It's just, it's beautifully shot, which I think you, if, if nothing else, I, I know that you'd really dug the photography in this movie. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It's really gorgeous to watch. It's very, it keeps you interested when it, you know, the plot isn't coming together for when it wasn't coming together for me plot wise, I was still interested in the photography. It's beautiful shadows all over the place. A lot of it was shot on location in Vienna. What year was this made? It was made, uh, it came out in 49 in Britain and 50 in America and they shot it in 1948. So you can still see a lot of the ruins mm-hmm. of where Vienna was bombed during World War II. Yeah, absolutely. Which I thought was, it, it, it looked so real. It didn't seem like it was a soundstage or, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, also they had horses and buggies, like horse <laughs> carriages. Did sure. I say that right? <laughs> Why did that sound? Horse and buggy? Horse yeah. and buggy. Horse and carriage? Yeah, horse same and thing. Carriage. Yeah. Um, which I thought was so funny. But then it also reminded me like, oh, this is old. And photography had not been, I mean, it'd been around for what, like 70 years at that point, 60 years, something yeah. like that. Um, how amazing 
Like this, the photography in this film is just as good as anything I think that you could see today. Yeah. And maybe even more interesting because it's all in black and white. And as somebody who's seen a lot of movies from the forties, like there's a, believe me, there's a lot of beautiful, uh, artistic movies from that era, but there's a lot of Hollywood movies that are like pretty boring in how they're staged and how they're shot. And there's so much exciting camera work in this. Yeah. And just so much like layered, beautiful photography. So I think even if you watch it with the sound off, like paying no attention to like what's happening, you'll, you'll really enjoy the, the look of this movie. You know, one of my favorite shots. Tell me. Is when Orson Welles has just been shot. Spoiler. And he's climbing up this, the stairs in the sewer to try to come through the grate to like push the grate out. And he sticks his hands and his fingers, or he sticks his fingers through the grate and then they cut to the top of the grate. And it's just like this amazing black and white photography. And you just see his long fingers slowly coming out of the grate. Yeah. Trying to get out. You know what it was? A grit. Uh, toothpicks. <laughs> Hot dogs. Let me do my dumb pun, Carla. It was a great shot. It was a great shot. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your joke. No, no. That's uh toothpicks was You're the- used to it. <laughs> You're used to my terrible timing. Uh I thought it was so great. Good, good. I I liked that you liked that. And I bet if you were to watch it again, you'd understand like what's happening more. But I- I explained the plot. I really feel like you're not giving me very much credit here. I totally, let's review 10 minutes, rewind 10 minutes. I explained the plot to you and I was a 99% right. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, when Alexander Corda, uh, commissioned a script from Graham Greene, Graham Greene had this little, uh, sliver of a first paragraph which was about showing up to uh, visit a friend and then finding out that he was dead only to see him on the streets uh, a few days later. Uh, so that's all he had, like mm. th- that idea. And uh, and then Corder specifically wanted a story that was set in post-war Vienna. So Green like went there and investigated a little bit and then came up with this treatment. Eventually it did get published as a novella, but he wrote it as a movie first. Cool. Uh, so when was the first time you saw this movie? Oh boy. I want to say that I saw it sometime in my early twenties, probably when I was investigating the, the movie classics a little uh-huh. more. And I definitely like, I was a big Orson Welles fan. Like I, I had Magnificent Ambersons in my top 100 for years and it is a, a great movie. It feels a little incomplete because it was famously like cut by like a half hour and like there's a, a weird tacked on ending that was not shot by Wells, but it, it's a fantastic movie as well. Citizen Kane, as you alluded to, is on the list. There's another Wells movie on the list. Uh, so I was a big fan of his. Uh, I think I was under the impression that he had directed it, which he did not. He only appears. That's what I thought too. He only appears as an actor and then he improvised one kind of cool line, uh, in it, which feels very Wells as well. Uh, (laughs) but I will say you must watch this on the Criterion Collection version that we have, uh, because it's not worth it unless you see the fully restored version and remastered with because it, the photography really just pops and i think the first couple times i saw this it was on a shitty vhs mm. uh with you know a, a lot of scratches and pops and it looked like an old movie and you couldn't see how vivid and beautiful the photography was so it did not make the list until i saw it on dvd uh years later oh wow so I, I think I always thought it was a solid movie, but uh, it really is the the beauty of it, seeing the remastered version that I think I put it on the last time uh, that I redid the list, which was about seven years ago. Cool. So it's a, one of the newer additions oh, to the list, despite the fact that I saw it a while ago. Uh, and yeah, I, I think I like it a little more every time I see it and kind of... Uh, appreciate those are the best movies that every time you watch them you're like oh i didn't i didn't pick that up the last time i saw it or the first time i saw it yeah there's a lot of very dry wit in it too and it is it is kind of like dark and cynical 
uh, as the best film noirs are. And yeah. I think it kind of resists uh, some of the, the cheap Hollywood archetypes. Uh, and oddly enough, uh, you would think Selznick, who was kind of the, uh, the prototypical American producer would have pushed for a happy ending. Uh, but actually he was the one who kind of advocated for Holly and Anna to not get together at the end. And we'll talk about, she doesn't love him. She doesn't. She loves Harry and, uh, Joseph Cotton never even tries to kiss her right. <laughs> in this movie. So uh, that's another thing that I like about it is there's not like a, a phony horned in, uh, a shoehorned in, uh, Horn. horny and uh love story between them. You know, yeah. it's almost like he feels like obligated to maybe try to flirt with her a little bit because they're the two lead characters yeah. in the movie and they're in a, a man and a woman but there's so many other movies of the era where the characters get together just because they're just supposed to or whatever but there's no real chemistry or story sense so i think it really does make sense for her character to not be impressed by this guy and it sets up a wonderful ending i think cool uh well let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carlos Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carlos Quotes. Uh, I tried to show you a little introduction before we watched the movie with uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Uh that's on the, oh, right. the the DVD. And I think you were just impatient to get to the movie. Uh and you and you said, uh, enough with the introduction. Start that shit, Mr. <laughs> Greatest Ever. <laughs> Who was I talking to? I, I think to? you were talking to Peter Bogdanovich, oh. actually, because he's like, the third man is one of the greatest ever. And you were like, shut up, Mr. <laughs> greatest Ever. Uh, By the way, we just watched What's Up Doc recently, which is one of my favorites. It's like a top – it's a top movie for me. Uh-huh. Top 20? Probably top 20, Yeah. Uh, and you liked it. You saw it for the first time. I had never seen it, been hearing about it for years. And it was right after we had gone to see the Elaine May double feature, right. you know, uh, and we really liked a new leaf, which is from about the, uh, the same time. And, uh, I don't know why I had never seen what's up doc. And I really didn't know much about it other than it's Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand and was directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, and I do like, I, I love Last Picture Show, mm-hmm. uh, is, which I've never seen, is a beautiful, wonderful movie that's in my top 200. And Paper Moon is another really good movie with Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, uh, What's Up Doc was just a blind spot for me. And it was fucking great. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it can't We ma- should do a special. Oh, hold on. Pause on your, on your thoughts. Let's do that as a special. What do you guys think? A special episode? Do you guys want to hear just a bonus episode of me and Carla talking about what's up, Doc? Let's do it. Okay. Tweet at us if you want us to do that. At Craigslist PCAST. <laughs> okay. Vote. Vote on whether you want a if special what's up, Doc. If we just get one tweet, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> just one and we'll okay. do it. Okay. All right. Uh, we also got to do the marathon. Yeah. Okay, so we've got, we got a lot of side these projects. Are, these things are coming up. You keep proposing these side projects to prevent doing <laughs> the actual top 100. No, these are just supplemental but things. As you know, a movie cannot make Craigslist until I've seen it at least three times. So this is after one viewing of What's Up, Doc. But for those people who complain that I don't have enough comedy, I got to say, like, it could make the list. Like, it was that good. Yeah. Like, it's hilarious throughout. Ryan O'Neill, uh, who I never really thought of as a particularly good actor, is really good in it. So funny. Barbara Streisand, never been better. And he's playing against type because he's like a super hot he, hottie. Yeah. And he and plays like this nerdy, nerdy scientologist. scientist. Yeah. Scientologist. scientologist. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking meteorologist <laughs> and the scientist and you, it came out scientologist. Why were you thinking meteorologist? <laughs> Isn't he into rocks? <laughs> sure. A geologist. Geologist. <laughs> meteorologist <laughs> is weather. Weather. Yeah. It's okay. This is my brain on drugs. But all the supporting cast is so good. Caffeine. Caffeine. And it builds to a chase scene. Stop talking about it. We're going to do the supplemental okay. thing. The I chase scene. Oh, these. Oh, this is how we can connect that movie to this movie. 
Great chase scenes. Both have amazing chase scenes. <laughs> if you watch nothing else in What's Up Doc and The Third Man, watch two of the greatest chase scenes of all time. Are you okay with the Zoom there? I'm okay with the Zoom. Poor Zoom is having... <laughs> let's name our Zoom. Marty McFly. <laughs> I literally was just about to say Marty. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I was not going to say Marty McFly. <laughs> I don't know why you went there. But when <laughs> when I was just trying to come up with a random name, I almost just said Marty. Well, our Zoom looks a little bit like the car in Back to the Future. Okay. Well, that's why then. Our Zoom from now on, when we ever refer to Marty, we're referring to the uh, recording device that we record on. Anyway, thank you, Carla, for introducing me to What's Up, Doc, because I Anytime, loved it. Babe. I loved it. Um. <laughs> But Carla, not impressed with Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, and then you said that guy was Robert Evans, right? No, I know. Peter Bogdanovich. I was kidding. <laughs> I don't know why, because it wasn't funny. <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, there's a little shot of... Uh, this was something that, that appears in a lot of movies at the time, like a certification from the British Film Board. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is maybe like a censorship thing to like... Uh, to indicate that the censors like looked over this movie and it's suitable for viewing of all ages or whatever. But Carla said, this is to certify that this is a real movie. <laughs> and then there's just a, a title card. God, I was talking an awful lot before the film actually started. We haven't even got into the movie yet. Yeah. Um, so how could I have been talking and not paying attention? Aha. <laughs> well... Uh, that's a good question. How, <laughs> how could you? Okay. Next. Um, <laughs> yes, I will do the next one. Uh, there's a, a title card of just the production company, which is a still of uh, Big Ben. Uh-huh. And Carla said, oh, no, looks boring already. <laughs> I'm like, that's just the producer's title card. Um, the opening titles is basically just a, a, a close-up of a zither. What's a zither? A zither is the stringed in- instrument that uh, the all the music is played on it. Oh, okay. Uh, which I believe maybe it's a Greek instrument, but that's another thing that uh, sets apart the third man is that the score is very unique. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, it sounds like flamenco, almost. It is, yeah. I, I think it's uh, Anton Karras, I believe, is the composer and the zither player. And literally, they had a a composer lined up to do an orchestral score for this movie, as would be uh, typical, a score, not a soundtrack, Jonathan Dinerstein. And uh, <laughs> the uh, they showed up... Uh, in Vienna to film, and then they had like an opening night party, and somebody had hired a zither player for the party. And uh, Carol Reed was so entranced by this guy's playing that he decided to scrap the orchestral score and hire this guy to accompany the entire movie on a zither. Cool. Uh, so it, the third man theme was kind of a hit song at the time. And it, uh, it does kind of like add to the weird off kilter feeling uh, of this movie. So, uh, I love the zither. There should be more zither out there. <laughs> um, during the opening credits, Carla said, Graham Greene is a novelist. Do you think he was selling out by writing the screenplay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't know if I never know if this is a rhetorical question. Uh, <laughs> oh, so no. I didn't say anything. And then you said, you didn't answer me. <laughs> And I said, no, I don't think he was. And you said, I bet his friends thought he was. <laughs> Sell out. Well, because in all the movies about writers from this time, like there's always a plot point where it's like the novelist sells out and goes to Hollywood yeah. or the playwright sells out and goes to Hollywood. So if that's a plot point in all the movies, then it must be true. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that is the time where like Faulkner and Fitzgerald yeah. were like uh very conflicted about getting money by writing for Hollywood and everything. Yeah. yeah. And the guy f- f- from the never mind. This is going to be too tough. What's the guy from <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> What's the guy from Breaking Bad? Vince Gilligan? He did a movie called like Limp or something about a writer. Who oh. went to jail for not naming names? It Wait. came out like a year ago. Okay, 
So not Vince Gilligan. No, but no. Brian Cranston. Yeah, the actor. And you're thinking of Trumbo? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just call it Limp? Blimp. Blimp? <laughs> How did you get to blimp from Trumbo? I just knew it was like a weird <laughs> word. So you're thinking from Trumbo, I think you went to Dumbo. Yeah. Which is a flying elephant, which is similar to a flying blimp. There you go. Okay. I knew I- it wasn't blimp, but I just knew it was k- k- kind of like that. K- 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 kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my point was. Oh. Also, in the way we were, Robert Redford is a writer, and he's like a, a novelist, and he's like, I'm going to Hollywood. And then they move to Hollywood, and they play tennis, and Barbara Streisand falls out of love with him for yeah. a second. Everybody's worried about selling out, uh, but just can, you know, write for Hollywood, guys. It's an art like anything else, you know. Don't be so conflicted about it so I don't have to watch any more movies about artists being concerned about selling. <laughs> it's, it's not interesting. Like Blimp. Uh, I don't think that that happens in that movie at all. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Guys, check out Blimp. Uh, great movie about writers. We cannot tape any more podcasts after I first wake up. <laughs> it's the best time and to do it. And by tape, I mean record. There's no tape involved. Guys, when I when we say Zoom, we're talking about a giant reel-to-reel <laughs> player. And that's what Marty is. Uh, uh, the thing I was... That garbage <laughs> collector is super loud. <laughs> do you guys hear it? Okay. Tweet at us if you can hear the garbage truck in the background. Uh, Carla, uh, uh, up top, I was doing a parody of the opening narration of the movie, which was... I got it. Okay. You got that? Okay. Yeah. Cool. The Here's another thing about the version that I saw on VHS is there's about 12 minutes cut from mm. it. And the movie is much better in the British version. So they left out more... They, they took out scenes for the American version that kind of show Holly, the Joseph Cotton character, in a negative light. <laughs> Oh. To, to make him look more like an active film hero. But in the British version, they leave in more scenes where he's kind of dumb or not picking up on what's going on or he's a little mm. more morally, morally ambiguous. Uh, so I think it adds a lot more depth to the movie. The other big distinction is Joseph Cotton re-recorded the opening narration for for that version but it makes a lot more sense coming from this anonymous mm-hmm. racketeer uh, black marketer yeah and it, it's really fun narration that kind of sets the tone uh and then we see holly getting off the train and he runs into a uh, american guard who could not be less interested uh of white he's like what are you doing in vienna <laughs> <laughs> seeing a friend where are you going <laughs> you right. know? and Carla said that guy's like a TSA agent <laughs> and then for the rest of the movie I called all those guys TSA <laughs> yes yes you did <laughs> so, uh, so then Holly finds out that Harry Lyme's friend is dead he goes to Harry's funeral he gets the stink eye from a lot of different uh, European character types uh-huh. uh, Carla did say the photography is really pretty so she she gave Gave it that right away. He's written such novels as Death at Double Eggs Ranch. <laughs> um, talking about the uh, Major Calloway, uh, played by Trevor Howard, who's kind of the British soldier who's uh, kind of shadowing Holly and trying to figure out what he's doing there. Uh, Carla said he's got a Matrix coat on. <laughs> <laughs> Just a uh, classic trench coat. Uh, I did go to Vienna, by the way, with Second City in 19... Well, okay. la da uh, But when I toured with Second City, we mostly played colleges in Iowa, in Indiana, and Ohio. Ohio <laughs> like yeah. That was... It was a lot of going around the Midwest to do small colleges. So I didn't have too many exciting tours. Like, the best I got was like a week in Kansas City. Uh, but... The last year that I toured, 1997, 20 years ago, uh, we spent a week in Vienna and it was just great. Like beautiful city. And we played in an English, we played at, I believe it's called the English speaking theater. Uh, so then they book in, I guess, British and American touring theater troops and the Austrians go to see, uh, theater in English. Uh, but, 
the hotel soccer, uh, S A C H E R, not S O C C E R, where Holly stays in the movie is the famous old hotel there. And they're known for the soccer tort. Huh. Which is one of the world's first chocolate cakes. And you can send a soccer tort to anyone in the world. So I sent one to my parents and I think I paid an exorbitant amount to, uh, to have it shipped to America. Did they it, like it? Ah, uh, I'm sure they did. I don't know how well it kept. Right. From, I mean, they must like vacuum pack it or something. So it's somewhat fresh. But yeah, I sent a soccer tort, uh, to America. You're a good son. We also, <laughs> also on opening night, the, uh, the lady in my troop who was introducing the show called them Germans rather than Austrians. And they were very offended. Oh, by that. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, somebody yelled out from the audience, we are Austrian, not German. Oh, no. Which lady was it? Uh, I, I can't reveal that. Um, was it Tina Fey? <laughs> it was Tina Fey. And then she was kicked out of Second City and nobody knows what happened to her since then. Um, it so was Tina Fey. Was it was it? not Tina. <laughs> she did go on the trip though because her husband, uh, Jeff was the director of our troop. Oh, and the other thing is, uh, we went to, a wonderful local pub called the Kukul Dragoner, the Kitchen Dragon, and uh, met this guy, Ronald, who was the proprietor there. Uh, and we just became fast friends with this guy because we sat down. It was me and Shuli Cowan and a couple of other people. And Shuli Cowan ordered a piece of cake and a Diet Coke. <laughs> and he made fun of her of like, oh, well, you want to, of course, you want, you're having a piece of cake and you want to Diet Coke. <laughs> um, and we're like, well, I love that this guy's making fun of Shuli right away. <laughs> uh, so we kept going back to his place night after night. And I had had something with a vanilla sauce when I first got to Vienna. And I was like, uh, do you have anything with vanilla sauce? And he was like, ah, oh, ooh. Uh, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Come back. I'll have my mother make it for you. What? Uh, and the, uh, we found out that the kitchen dragon was his mother. So if uh, his mother did all the cooking and baking and she was the kitchen dragon wow. and then he was like the front of the house. And then we went back to his restaurant. Like a big night. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yeah. That's coming up soon. Okay. Sorry. Um, then he went to his house. Well, not his house, but his restaurant. <laughs> then he went to his restaurant. Uh, and we went there every night that we were there. And then for years, ever since, whenever Second City goes back to Vienna, they have the opening night party at the Kukul Dragoner. And, uh, they, and, uh, we've given him a lot of business over the years. So that's nice. Danke, Ronald and Danke for the, uh, for the vanilla sauce. Did you say Danke, Ronald and Danke? <laughs> I, I said Danke, Ronald. Oh. And Danke again. Cool. So those are my memories of uh Great. of post war Vienna. Gotta take a shower soon. <laughs> <laughs> you said ten forty. Okay. No, that was a good story. I'm sorry, let me make you feel bad. <laughs> I just really wanted to hear the story about Tina Fey saying something bad. It was not Tina Fey. <laughs> <laughs> she knows the difference between Austrians and Germans. Um so Holly starts to meet all these characters that feel like something out of a David Lynch movie. There's one guy who looks just like uh, Robert Blake in Lost Highway with this slicked back hair. And he's got this tiny miniature pincher. Oh, yeah. Uh, like in his bag with him. And Carla said, give me that puppy. Give it to me. Think he's still alive? <laughs> this is my favorite running joke <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> So he goes to see, uh, Holly's girlfriend, uh, Anna Schmidt, and she's a, uh, she's a comedy actress. So she's in something in German. Oh, that was a comedy? <laughs> well, everyone in the audience was laughing. Oh. It was either a comedy or a really bad drama. Right. Um, but she's kind of like done up in like, uh, Renaissance era, you know, uh, wig and dress with petticoats and everything. Carla said, I wore a dress like that when I was in an opera. And I never knew you were in an opera. <laughs> I was a supernumerary. Supernumerary? Yes. Supernumerary? I don't know. Okay. I didn't sing. I danced. And I got to wear cool dresses and wigs. And it was at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. And I was like 19 years old. Yeah. And I'm going to post pictures of it. Because the pictures are so cool that I have. I just found them the other day. You can see all my costumes. All if right. you care. Thank you, Carla. If you don't care, you don't have to look at them. <laughs> 
Uh, this is about the half hour point. I don't like it. It's boring. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, there's a little boy who pops up too, a little Austrian boy. Uh, and Carla said, he's cute. He looks like a baby Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, uh, there's a moment where they confiscate, uh, Anna's passport. Uh-huh. Uh, and they confiscate all of her love letters from Harry. And then the, uh, the soldier's like, uh, and she's embarrassed about them reading all of her love letters. And the soldier says, uh, um, don't worry about it, miss. We're used to it. Like doctors. Yeah. <laughs> and Carla said, gross. Yeah. What a jerk. <laughs> that is like a, uh, basically he's like, yeah, we're, we're impartial when we look at your vagina, exactly. basically. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what he's alluding to, right? Ugh. And it's, it's an unusually sexual illusion for a movie of that time. Right. Uh, another thing, I listened a little bit to the commentary. There's Steven Soderbergh and, uh, the filmmaker Tony Gilroy do a commentary track on this that's pretty good. And, uh, two of the characters, the Baron and the Doctor, who are people that were seen with Harry Lyme at the time, uh, the, the clue that, uh, they're in cahoots is when Holly goes over to the Doctor's place and he sees that same miniature pincer, pincher that, uh, the Baron had. So, like, that same dog shows up. And then later he goes to their place and they're both up there and it looks like they just woke up. And then Steven Soderbergh watching this is like, oh, those guys are lovers. Oh. I'm like, oh yeah, they are. <laughs> you know, like, so it'd be very unusual at the time to even allude to characters being homosexual, you know, so it's yeah. done in a very subtle way, but it's like, oh yeah, those guys, those guys probably are. Um, at some point when, uh, Harry and Anna are lighting a, a cigarette, Carla said, for some reason you said this like a hippie. Sigs make everything better, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were stressed. And it was like, instead of just like sitting down and taking a couple deep breaths, they were like, give me those cigs. <laughs> uh, then Carla started to get impatient. What's taking Orson Welles so long? Is he the third man? Is he Larry? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, they've said Harry like 40 times. <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you what, he is the third man. Yeah. Because it turns out that Harry Lyme was not the person who was hit by the truck. Uh, Harry Lyme, uh, was in on it and there was another guy that they were getting rid of, another one of their partners on the, uh, the black market. And so they used his body to stand in for Harry. But that's a big part of the plot is like how many people were carrying uh, Harry's body. Right. Uh, was there two men or were there third three men? And it's this, uh, German speaking porter that keeps insisting there was a third man there. So that's, that's how they got the title to the movie. Um, and, uh, when Holly's digging deeper and like trying to find out, uh, if Harry's death was not an accident, he's like, could he have been, could it have been? And, uh, and Carla said, murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Which you think you do think he's gonna say that, but he's like, could it have been uh, not an accident? <laughs> <laughs> There's an overhead shot of a neon sign that says Casanova Bar, and Carla whispered, Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I don't know, because I'm dumb. Uh, here's Carla doing more of her accents as he's trying to woo her. I want to fall in love with you. I want to make love to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh there was some oh there was a cinema sign that said kino uh k-i-n-o which maybe that's german for cinema maybe but carla said burger king oh yeah it looked like king it, it could have been burger king there's another sign in the back that looked like it could have been fud records <laughs> uh carla said if this was the blacklist he'd go straight to the embassy if it was a TV show, the, the TV show, the blacklist, which we no longer watch. No, but every time they got in trouble, they would go to the embassy. Just right? go to the embassy, folks. When you're in a foreign country and shit is happening, go to the embassy. And I think that that's not the show I was thinking of. <laughs> it's fine. What were you thinking of? I don't know. Not the blacklist. You Who said knows? you said that. I'm like, I don't remember anybody going to the. Embassy. I think I remembered her going to the Russian embassy. Okay. Yes. Uh, or the, I don't know. Or the consulate. Go to the consulate. Right. What's the difference? I don't know. Um, 
At one point, Holly uh, is trying to run away and he goes into a random apartment and he hears uh, a bird sound and then he gets bit by a parrot. Oh, yeah. But uh, before we see the parrot, Carla's like, what the fuck is that? A chicken? (laughs) (laughs) It's the craziest sound. (laughs) So one of the most... bites him it's so weird <laughs> it's, it's really funny it's awesome um and he's like ow like he's been shot <laughs> and then i love it when people get hurt it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> you're a sadist carla you are a sadist and send me any videos where people are falling down and i'm having a great day you love it um one of the most famous scenes in all of filmdom Harry Lime, who is supposedly dead, suddenly there, there's a little thing where there, she has a kitten in her apartment and Joseph Cotton's trying to play with it. And she's like, Oh, that cat only liked Harry. And then the cat runs out and we see the cat run up to this shadowy figure that's in a doorway. And we're like, what is it Harry? And then, uh, Holly goes out. And uh, he sees this figure standing in the door, which he, th- he thinks is some detective shadowing him. But then somebody turns on a light uh, and then the light shines uh, on to reveal Orson Welles's face. Yep. Uh, and it's it's so it's beautifully shot. And then you just see in this silent scene how charismatic he is. And he just kind of like, you Smiles. know, gives him this shruggy <laughs> smile and then like, runs away. Well, maybe alive uh and it's just one of the most famous reveals in movie history so i told carla that there was this famous scene coming up <laughs> and it, it came up and like you told me like 10 minutes before it i told up. you like 10 minutes before just to be ready for it and i watched the scene i did not look back at her during that and then i hear from behind me like a minute later oh did i miss it did i miss orson wells <laughs> this is really boring movie <laughs> <laughs> this is really boring movie. This is really boring movie. That is what and then you, you rewound s- it and I watched it and it was cool. Okay. And you were right. Good. Glad you liked it. Um, famously, Wells was not available for a lot of this movie too. Like he showed up in Vienna late and then he, after one day of shooting in the sewers, he refused to go back in the sewers because <laughs> they, oh, really? they were stinky and gross. <laughs> and so they rebuilt the sewers on a soundstage in England after they wrapped in Vienna. So really? when, ev- when you see the shots of water running, those are the actual sewers of Vienna. And if you see Harry in the shot, it's not Orson Welles. It's the assistant director, Guy Hamilton, who is wearing Welles's coat and he's wearing a, uh, a, a coat hanger in the back to make him look more broad shouldered like oh, Orson Welles. Wow. When you see the close ups of Welles, that's a sound stage, uh, that they built to make it look like the, the sewers. Well, it does. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, but it, it is woven together really good. I what kind really of shots good. they had to get before going down there. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, like, because there's real rats running around. Yeah, you see some real rats. Yeah. sewer water. Yeah. Like, there's no way that... <clears throat> I mean, maybe back in the 40s, they didn't have... They didn't care. <laughs> they were like, we're all going to die soon anyways. <laughs> yeah. There was an entire crew that was just dedicated to the sewers. Uh, there was yeah. like, there was a night crew, a day crew, and a sewer crew. A sewer crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carla said, I love Europe. I wish we had cobblestones on our street in LA. I do. <laughs> it might make it hard to drive on. It's so pretty though. When, uh, Harry Lime disappears and then, uh, Holly's looking for him and sees this little statue and Carla said, Ooh, I hope that's him in disguise again as a baby cherub. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh uh Anna the character played by Alita Valley has this weird landlady who's always draped in like this giant uh comforter oh, <laughs> and uh she keeps showing up and Carla said this lady's still around she just follows the TSA agents around and gives them a hard time <laughs> Uh the other famous funny that was good one good one Carla <laughs> They're not TSA agents either Um there's a famous old amusement park in Vienna that I went to while I was there. I believe it's called the Prater. 
And so I think it's one of the early Ferris wheels. And so there's another famous scene with Harry Lime and Holly where they get on a, a Ferris wheel. And, uh, and immediately Orson Welles is just like, Hey, buddy, good to see you. <laughs> you know, as if nothing is happening. Carla said, he's acting like nothing happened. He's acting like he didn't do shit. <laughs> uh, and then there's a famous speech where Holly's kind of giving him a hard time about the bad penicillin. And, uh, and Harry's, uh, they're up in the Ferris wheel and they're looking down at all the people down below. He's like, uh, honestly, would you feel bad if one of these dots stopped moving? Yeah. Of like, if somebody gave you 20,000 pounds for every one of these dots that stopped moving, you, you would say no to that, <laughs> you know? And it, it's kind of like a chilling psychopathic thing. It's a to really say. good speech. Uh, and then at the end, there's the whole thing of like, uh, the Italians under the Borges had, you know, murder and theft, you know, and they produced, uh, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and all this other stuff. It's great art. And the, uh, and all this great art and the Swiss have had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. Yeah. Such a good speech. It also feels very relevant. Uh, how, relevant how? Well, just with Trump, I remember when Trump was elected, I'm sorry, I bring Trump every <laughs> fucking podcast, but when he was elected, everybody was like, well, right before he got elected, I remember people joking like, well, at least we'll get some good comedy out of it, or at least we'll get some good stories out of it. Sure. And then when he was elected, everybody was like, why did I joke about that? <laughs> like, I'd much rather not have good art <laughs> and just not that we couldn't have good art under you get what I'm saying. So you want the cuckoo clock. You're fine with the cuckoo clock and peace. The cuckoo clock's very pretty and a very <laughs> intricately designed machine. Uh, but apparently Wells improvised that line about the, uh, the cuckoo clock. It's, it's a really, it's a good speech. That yeah. was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, also, he's just very char- charismatic. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not saying anything new here. Yeah. You thought he was a handsome man. I did. This is right before Fat Orson. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> It yeah. happens to all of us. <laughs> we all get fat, ladies and gentlemen. We all get fat. Uh, so when they start chasing Harry around at the end, there's a lot of cool, you know, silhouette shots of his shadow, you know, on walls, which I th- I'm pretty sure is not Orson Welles either. Uh, but Carla said, me and my shadow. <laughs> that should be the song in this movie. <laughs> That was a funny one too. <laughs> and then there's a thing where there's an old man with balloons that they they for a second that they think is Harry, and then there's a, a close up of of like this guy like putting a balloon in the soldier's face, and Carla said, "That's him," <laughs> and it's not him at all. <laughs> I thought he was in disguise. Yeah, well, you, you're giving Orson Welles a lot of credit there to m- maybe be in disguise as an old balloon man. Um, if you go back and watch that scene, that does that guy's facial hair looks crazy and his okay. forehead. Okay. Like it doesn't look like a real person to me. So maybe it's a disguise. Um so yeah, then uh great chase scene through the sewers. Uh uh Harry gets shot, probably not fatally, uh, and he's trying to crawl out his fingers through the grate, and then he runs so into cool. his old friend Holly, and he kind of gives him a look. Like, do it. Like, put me out of my misery. Yeah. And then we hear this, uh, gunshot and, uh, and Holly has, uh, has killed Harry. And then we cut to Harry's funeral for the second time, yeah. his real funeral this time. And then, you know, we're building toward the classic romantic, uh, ending. Uh, he gets out of the, he's supposed to go to the airport, but he gets out of the car to wait for Anna. And so there's a long, long shot of her way in the distance walking straight up this path we see holly waiting for her we see these leaves falling Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful cemetery in vienna and we see her walking toward the camera and she walks toward the camera and walks toward the camera and then just walks right past him and right past us yeah the end she's like nope (laughs) well you said she pissed she pissed (laughs) uh that was a great ending and I was glad that they didn't end up together because the whole movie, she's not into this guy. Yeah. So it would have been really false. Really hokey and fake. Yeah. Yeah. It's like clear that she's into Harry <laughs> the whole time and that she's just kind of tolerating this guy. <laughs> and Martin Scorsese in The Departed did a similar shot with uh, Matt Damon and Vera Farmiga where he duplicated the uh, the shot from the third man of her walking But they by. hooked up. Big they did, yeah. Departed. Yeah, I'm not ever watching The Departed ever again, even if it's on your top 100. 
Well, Carla, it looks like next week is <laughs> not The Departed. No, I didn't. I do not like The Departed. I didn't either. Yeah, as a big Scorsese fan, like I am perplexed that that was his it's bizarre Oscar-winning movie. That was a total career achievement thing. I think people were dazzled by like uh, how many good people were in the cast or whatever, but that movie did not come together. No, and it's uh, it's pretty much a direct remake of a Hong Kong movie called Infernal Affairs. Uh huh. Uh, but with that I thought was a lot better. But there's some good performances in it, like Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg are really good. It's probably the best that Mark Wahlberg was ever in anything. I don't even remember. Okay. Anyway. Uh, okay. Carla, what do you think of the third man? You want to give it a letter grade? I'm going to. Here's what I honestly thought. Okay. What do you think I'm going to say? I think you're going to give it a B. Okay. I was going to give it a B minus. B minus. Okay. Uh, because, because I, I feel like you were bored for a lot of it, but the things that were cool about it were so cool to redeem it. For that's you. exactly right. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time I felt like this when I was watching a movie and maybe not interested in it. And then by the time I got to the end, I was like, I'm going to watch this again at some point. Okay. So cool. I think I will at some point give maybe, it another shot, maybe soon sit down and actually really be into it. From yeah. The beginning because I know that it pays off in a cool way. <laughs> Yes. I was really afraid when it started. I was like, oh boy, this is not for me. Yeah. Um, but it, the ending, the last half hour of the movie is so great. Yeah. Oh, my stomach just growled in agreement. <laughs> uh, it's so great. The last 30 minutes are so good. Okay. That I will sit down and watch it again from top to, bo- to bottom. What does that B minus stand for? It stands for, um, uh, what does it stand for? It stands for, that's it (laughs) (laughs) too much pressure Uh, i don't know you're not okay you're not even trying you're not even trying be crazy (laughs) blimps be crazy okay Uh, again cannot recommend blimp about the uh the hollywood blacklist uh Uh, with vince gilligan um (laughs) vince gilligan and his acting debut As Blimp. Vince Gilligan is Blimp. I'm sorry I was so punchy for this one. Uh, it's early. I'm I, tired. I'm going to guess that everybody loves how punchy you were for this <laughs> one. So let's take advantage of that punchiness and improvise a scene. Cool, cool. So what if what if she doesn't walk right past him? Oh, I have to play a lady again? Who do you oh, want to play? No, I'll play her. <laughs> do you want to play Harry instead? No, I'll play her. Let's okay. do this. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So she doesn't walk past him. Well, she does walk past him. And then this is what happens right after the end of the movie. Okay, great. Lights up. (laughs) Action. Hey, Anna. Anna. I'm not talking to you. Anna, it's me. It's me, Holly. I am not talking to you. I'm very upset with you. Hey, I don't know if you just, uh, you, you probably missed me. I was just sitting there having a cigarette and you walked, you walked right by no, me. No, I saw you. I, I definitely saw you. I made a choice uh, to walk right past you. Okay. Can I walk with you? Is that, my is that cool? My feet are killing me. Okay. Well, I've been walking in these heels for two miles. Why are you walking in heels? Well, you drove past me the first time and you saw me walking. Yeah. I guess we could have given you. You could have stopped Why at least we... a mile back. Yeah. I, I don't know. So. Uh, look, I'm going to miss my flight uh, because I, I want to well, stay here in, in Vienna and uh, and hang with you. I can't. I'm not going to be here much longer. They are deporting me. Oh, really? Back to Czechoslovakia. <sighs> oh. See, I listened and I knew that that's where I was from. What do you <laughs> Well, of course you know where you're from. What do you mean you listened? <laughs> <laughs> so I will not be here much longer. Will you take care of my kitty? Will you take care of my pussy? <laughs> not, be- not my vagina. My cat. Okay, yes. I understand the illusion. Look, I can take care of your pussy in a very clinical way. I'm a like, like a doctor? I'm like a doctor. Yes. Gross. Slap. Ow. Look, can I take you to the to the kitchen no. dragon or, or buy you a soccer tort? No. Look, Vienna's a beautiful city and I want to stay here. I want to I, I wanna get to know you better. Look, just because... You have bad breath. What? I've been thinking it this whole time we've been together... <laughs> And I just, I Why didn't you be say something? If you would just fix your breath, I might have been interested. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I smoke a lot. It's you know, disgusting. There's a lot of sausages here. It's like, it's very sausage and sauerkraut. You need to take care of that shit here. Stat. Okay. Look, I'm going to get a breath spray. 
Okay? And then we can kiss. We can kiss like a real man and a Meh. real woman. Meh. I love Harry. He's dead now. I know. I love I'm a ghost. Here. He's right here. Where is Oh. Well, hello, old sport. Harry? <laughs> I shot and killed you. Yeah. Sorry, bro. He is so charming I'm, that he is alive even in death. Yeah. I could fight death. I can come back from the dead like Jon Snow. My feet are killing me. <laughs> and see. <laughs> like Jon Snow. Uh, look. If, Jeez Louise. If, if you can go anachronistic, I can too, <laughs> Good point. Carla. Nobody uh, was the straight man in that scene. <laughs> we were all the absurd characters. Look, we don't have to do straight absurd, Carla. I know. That's just, that's an option. Well, I'm glad that you kind of liked parts of the third I did. I liked it. It's, the third honestly, I would, and this is me being very sincere, I would say if you guys were thinking about seeing this one, to see it. It's worth it. Okay. It, the photography is stunning. I would actually be interested in seeing it on the big screen. Mm. It's an important film in film history. It's an important film. I don't know about that. I'm just saying that <laughs> the photography is really good. <laughs> I think it's very influential on uh, on film noir in in general. I think I might like film noir. I think I have to see some more. Yeah, uh, there's is Casablanca film noir. Not really, but okay. you know, uh, film noir is kind of like more. Is my fair lady film noir? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the guy who runs the book club in this movie is the guy who plays Colonel Pickering in My Fair Lady. What? And also the guy who plays the Cockney soldier later was uh, uh, Captain Von Trapp. He was not Captain Bunchan <laughs> because that's Christopher Plummer. Uh, he played M in all the Bond Dial for murder into in all the Bond movies through 1979. So we he's gotta the, go because I'm fucking losing my mind. Look, I want to tell you more <laughs> bits of movie trivia. Uh, okay, well, Carla, that was number 57 on Craigslist. So coming up 57. next, coming up next is a movie that I believe you already alluded to. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This movie is number 56, and it came out in 1996. One of the more recent movies on Craig's list, and uh, it is directed by Stanley Tucci and Campbell Scott. Hotties. And it stars Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub as brothers who run an Italian restaurant in New Jersey in the 1950s. And one of my favorites, Isabella Rossellini, <laughs> even though she's in that terrible movie that I hated. Isabella Rossellini is in this, as well as Minnie Driver and a lot of other great people. And I was talking about Blue Velvet. <laughs> I oh, I got it. I totally got that. Can we can we say one thing real quick? Yes. And so you can edit this out if you don't want this to be. Okay. We did. We ne we rarely do this where we tape out of order, but we did tape this one last weekend because we have a guest. Yes. And we are uh, drunk. <laughs> we got super drunk. I don't even remember what I graded this movie. I really don't remember. Oh, I remember. I remember what you graded it. And we had friends who were in the other room as we were taping. Yes. And I was like, we got to go. Our friends are waiting for us to eat dinner because Julie Blacker. Who is our guest. Julie LaCouture mm -hmm. is her last name. Yes. Uh, cooked for us. Cooked spaghetti. We had an amazing big night watching Big Night. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, but we had a lot of wine as well. So is that a disclaimer? I have to listen. To, so I'll, you'll put it out. I won't, I won't have you edit anything and then I'll listen to it. And then on the following week's episode, I'll decide if I still really think <laughs> okay. that thing about the movie. I think I really loved it though. Yeah, I think you did. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we we've already revealed how Carla feels about next week's movie, but I hope that you guys will watch and will enjoy Big Night, and we'll talk to you then. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.